0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to you. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. If you're joining us by way of Facebook, uh, YouTube Live, any kind of audio, video, podcast, however you found us, we're glad you found us. Worship with us now. Open your Bibles to First Samuel chapter 14. If I told you this was my favorite story, have I said that too much? <laughs> like about other stories to make you believe? Like this really is, this, this, this probably really is, my favorite story. I love First Samuel chapter 14, Jonathan and his armor bearer. This is amazing. We are talking about supernatural unity, second message in a series by that title. Uh, and I just want us to dig into this story because it's just so good. And let me remind you of a couple of things. First off, from the Mission One document, which we started sharing back in December. Um, in the uh, envision future part of that, the church that we want to be, the church that we feel like God is calling us to be. Remember this line right here. We are a body of believers characterized by, say it, supernatural unity and sacrificial love. We are a body of believers characterized by supernatural unity and sacrificial love. Now, that's true, mostly true, partly true, I, I, don't, I don't know that's totally true of us, but this is the church we're going to be. This is what God is calling us to be, and supernatural unity is a gift that he wants to give us. When I said last week, the true obstacle to unity is not difference. We are different. We're very different. Some of you are really different, but the point I'm trying to make is that's not going to keep us from unity. That doesn't keep us from fellowship. It's not the fact that we're different. It's the fact that we're all just so self-centered. We have to die by self, we have to get over ourselves so that we can experience the unity that Christ wants us to experience. And for that I want to go to 1 Samuel Chapter 14, Christ in his dying prayer for the church prayed that we would be one. Pray that we would have unity. And if Christ wants us to have unity, then certainly we want to have unity. Unity is amazing. Unity is that that sense that we're all pulling together, working together. Unity is that warm sense of belonging and, and togetherness that we all love. Unity is amazing. So could unity ever be a bad thing? Well, 1 Samuel chapter 14, it is my favorite story. Now, I'll just be honest with you. I really wanted to preach this in this series because I think Jonathan and his armor bearer are such a wonderful picture of unity. And that's what got me excited. And I wrote that whole sermon. And then I came back and started looking closer at the passage. And I realized, there's another example of unity in this story, and it ain't good, and that's what leads to today's sermon. Jonathan's daring plan in 1st Samuel chapter 14. Let's read together, uh, pay attention to unity and how it works. One day Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, "Come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outpost." But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. Let me stop right here. We're in the middle of a war with the Philistines. It's it's a war. It's an awful war. We know a couple of things already. We know that the Philistines have a mighty army of 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and as many warriors as the grains of sand on the seashore. That's a powerful force. Fighting against the, the children of Israel, the people of God, King Saul is the general. Uh, and uh, he he and his 600 men are terribly outnumbered, but at this point, mostly idle. Jonathan is his son, and Jonathan has just made a break. Come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outposts, but Jonathan didn't tell his father. Verse 2. Meanwhile, Saul and his 600 men were camped on the outskirts of Gebeah around the pomegranate tree at Migron. Among Saul's men was Ahijah the priest who was wearing the ephod, the priestly vest, Ahijah was the son of Ichabod's brother Ahitab, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord who had served at Shiloh. No one realized that Jonathan had left the Israelite camp. To reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called Bozez and Sana. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash and the one on the south was in front of Geba. Let's go across to the outposts of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor-bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle, whether he has many warriors or only a few. Do what you think is best, the armor-bearer replied. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. All right, then, Jonathan told him, we'll cross over and let them see us. If they say to us, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we will stop and not go up to them. But if they say, come on up and fight, then we'll go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, come on up here and we'll teach you a lesson. Come on, climb right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. So they climbed up using both hands and feet and the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer killed those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all and their bodies were scattered over about half an acre. Suddenly, panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, including even the outposts and the raiding parties. And just then an earthquake struck, and everyone was terrified. I love that story. I I love that story. I love Jonathan and his armor bearer. I want to be those guys. I really do. But as I said, in reading this passage and thinking about the unity of Jonathan and the and the fellow who carried his armor, and looking at their unity, their their amazing courage, their unstoppable uh, willingness to step into the battle, I, I just love that. But I started being bothered by the fact that there's probably an even greater example of unity in this story, but it's not the kind of example I, I wanted to talk about but it might be the kind of example we need to talk about i'm talking about in verse 2 when it says saul and his 600 men were camped on the outskirts of gobeah under the pomegranate tree at Migron. okay that raises one very important question what are they doing under a tree in Migron? When there's a war going on, they are at war. And and King Saul is the general. He's the king. He's supposed to be leading them into battle, but they're not actually even moving into battle. If you watch this bunch of losers, you wouldn't even know there's a war. They're just under the tree. 600 of them doing nothing. I mean, they're idle. They're, They're united. I mean, that's the thing. They've got... King Saul, they have Ahijah the priest. I mean, they got everything. I mean, they, they really, really do. And they have unity. You cannot say they're not united. The problem is they're united in their idleness, that they're united there in the inertia of doing nothing. They have launched this amazing do-nothing campaign, and they are totally united in it. As I say, in, in trying to preach sermons about supernatural unity, this wasn't really the example I was looking for. But as I say, it's probably the example we need to think about. I think it's funny. Last Sunday, we had just over 600 in worship here. So about 600 there, about 600 here. You know, I just think that's kind of interesting. 600 is a really good number. 600 is enough to go out and and do some damage. 600 is enough to change the world. But 600 of them are sitting under the tree. Why? Why? Well, I I guess the truest thing I know how to tell you is simply the easiest thing in the world to do is nothing. And they have now settled into doing nothing. Nothing. I mean, that's their plan, if you call it a plan. They have made themselves comfortable, completely comfortable in the shade of that tree. Now, there is an incredible battle that needs to be engaged. There is an enemy force camped just outside their reach, but of, of course, as long as they don't go close to them, they don't have to fight. And if they don't have to fight, they don't have to get out from under the shade of this tree. And if they don't get out from under the shade of this tree, they can be comfortable Understand? And there is nothing like comfort. Now, they didn't start out with comfort as their goal. They did start out fighting. I mean, if you read the the previous chapter, they have been fighting. It hasn't necessarily gone well for them. But at some point, they went from being a fighting force to just kind of a a really, you know, sort of of over-equipped slumber party. Do you know what I mean? Easiest thing in the world to do is nothing. And so I wanted to preach a sermon about Jonathan and his armor bearer, but, but I, I, I just can't get, I can't get past verse two. I can't get past the idea that Saul is supposed to be the leader and, and Ahijah is supposed to be the priest. And they're supposed to be leading you know, God's people into battle, but they're not leading nothing. They're not going anywhere. They're not fighting. Because, because you're not going to fight the battle under the pomegranate tree. Do you understand? That, that's not where the fight is engaged. That's not where victory is going to be experienced, but that's not what they're thinking about. The easiest thing in the world to do is nothing. And so here they are united, I mean completely united in idleness. And I'm telling you, I think there's nothing that sort of can bring a group together like, like that sort of pact, that sort of agreement that, that we will just stay right here. You know, I'll flick the fly off of your nose if you'll flick the fly off my nose, and then that way we won't even have to use a lot of energy to scratch. You know, let's just be right here. Let's just stay where we are. Let's keep it like it is. And the only thing that overcomes idleness is initiative. Somebody's going to have to break out of that. And actually, that's kind of a a de-unifying movement. You understand? You've got to break from the group. You've got to somehow snap out of that comfort, out of that lethargy, out of that idleness, out of that inertia. And that's very, very difficult. That's difficult. The turning point of this whole story is verse 1, when Jonathan speaks these amazing words, and they're just really simple words. All he says is, let's go. Let's go. Come on, let's go. You know, I mean, there's somebody who could not sit there under that tree any longer. Come on, let's go. He says it to his armor bearer. Why doesn't he say it to the group? I mean he's got a plan here to go fight Philistines. Man, if if I was gonna if that was if I was trying to come up with a strategy, I think I'd be out there under that tree, you know, trying to get some people with me, you know, trying to get people to go. But I think Jonathan knows something. He knows they're not gonna go. He knows at this point if he brings it up, his own father is gonna cancel the plan. I mean, if you say to this bunch under the tree, come on, let's do something, they're gonna see to it that that you don't do anything, they're gonna shut it down. Idleness is overcome by initiative. And it's Jonathan and, and it's his armor bearer who have that kind of initiative. But that kind of initiative is difficult. It's really, really difficult. Especially when you're in a giant crowd of 600 people who are sort of unified in this massive campaign to do nothing, to change nothing, to keep everything exactly the way it is. It's safe that way. So the question I've I've asked is just a simple question. Is, Is unity ever a bad thing? You know, last Sunday, you know, I I was selling y'all unity, man. I was putting it out there, hoping y'all get excited. I think some of you got excited about unity, and today I'm saying, can it be a bad thing? And the answer is, well, it depends. It 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 really depends. Church unity is unhealthy when you and I unite around the wrong things. This is the other side of unity. Church unity is unhealthy when you and I unite around the wrong things. No. I'm not saying we unite around you know wrong things. We're not going to become like you know some big criminal enterprise. We're not going to deal drugs. We're not going to build a meth lab in the fellowship hall. It's not. It's not that we will be building our unity around wrong things in the sense that we we'll be doing wrong, but. But they're not the things that, they're not the things that Christ has for us. They're not the right things, you know. Right now in the United States, there are so many congregations that are absolutely united around their own decline. I mean, we're a church planting church. I think you all know that. I, I hope you understand why we are a church planting church. We're a church planting church because in the last two years, more churches have closed than have been started in the United States. More churches have closed. That have been started. So it doesn't matter how many churches we start. At this point, we can't keep up with the churches closing their doors. Now, there's a kind of unity that happens when a church just, you know, lets the whole place shut down. And, and this is what I'm trying to warn you away from. There's a kind of unity where people just unite around decline. That they unite around their own death, and that's what's happening in churches all across this country. Church unity is unhealthy when you and I unite around the wrong things. Not wrong things, just the wrong things. You know, there are churches that unite around the building, the the, the building. You know, they build this amazing facility, and they think of it as some sort of monument to themselves, and, and that building becomes so important, you know. And, and buildings are nothing other than a resource for ministry. That, that's what they are. That's what they're for. And if they're not being used for, you know, for ministry, then, then what do you have? You've got a waste of space and money. But still, churches sometimes just unite around the building and keeping the building up and, and preserving it as just some sort of museum of when God used to move there, but it's never about the building. Some churches unite around the personality of the pastor, which is always a bad idea. Always a bad idea. Pastors are human. Pastors are temporary. Pastors are are, are, are not what you unite around. But but still, churches still sometimes just try to get a celebrity pastor, or somebody that they can all you know get around and follow and love and promote. And that that's not what the church is for. You don't unite. Around a pastor, some churches unite around just trying to have you know keep up with all the trends and lights and speakers you know and staging and and churches love that you know just sort of keep up with the trends of course, the problem with that is the trends are always changing, and so therefore you 're chasing something that you 'll never ever be able to uh, attain and that 's not what the church is for it 's not about chasing trends it 's not about trying to look like other churches be like other churches just be contemporary you know what's that about at the same time you can't unite around just trying to keep everything the way it was you know you can't unite around just doing it the way we've always liked it done that's not something to unite around either but you understand there are lots and lots of traps for us There are lots and lots of things that seem to promise a kind of warm togetherness for us. If we could just do this or have this or circle up around him or build a building. But I'm telling you, none of that is healthy. None of that is healthy. Because for us, Jesus is the only true unifying factor. It's always Jesus and it's only Jesus. And Jesus don't care about your lights. And Jesus don't care about the way you've always done it. Jesus don't care about what kind of music you like. Jesus doesn't care who your pastor is. Jesus cares about the world and to see the world come to know him. That's the only thing Jesus came to die for. You know what I'm saying? And Jesus is the only true unifying factor for us. And Jesus doesn't stay put. Jesus is not going to camp under that tree with you. No matter how many people you unify up in the shade of that pomegranate tree, you understand, whatever Jesus is going to do, he's going to be on the move. And the victory that he has for you is going to be somewhere else out from under this tree with all 600 people too lazy to scratch. One day Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. I can't sit here any longer. There's a war, there's a battle to be engaged in. Come on, let's go. But but he can't say that to everybody, you know, because if he says that to everybody, you know, King Saul's going to say, boy, you just sit right back down. You are not in charge here. Jonathan's not in charge here. Saul's in charge, and he's got a to hide to the priest in his back pocket. I mean, they are the ones in charge. Jonathan's got no right to, you know, launch a plan. That's why Jonathan just whispers, come on, let's go. You know, They don't even know they're gone. Come on, let's go. Let's go where the Philistines have their outposts. He doesn't tell his father what, what he was doing. Um, if... If we unify around lesser things, we'll never go after the greater things Christ made us for. You know what I'm saying? If if, if we get satisfied with that warm togetherness that we can experience as we slowly decline and close the doors in this place, then, then we never, ever accomplish the mission, the purpose that Christ made us for. This is what Jonathan is doing. Let's go where the Philistines are. Let's go where the battle is. Let's get let's get out of here. Let, 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 let's get out from under this tree of idleness and and, and, and inertia. Come on, let's go. Let, let, let's go. That's kind of the miracle right there. I know there's a miracle of a battle here, and I love it. I love it. I love that phrase where it says they were climbing up and fighting with, with both hands and feet. You know, that's just so amazing to me. It's a miracle. These two guys. Now, the other, understand the beauty of this miracle. The scripture makes clear right before this passage, back in chapter 13, uh, verse 22, it, it talks about how, how brutal the Philistine occupation was. And it goes on to say that they had made sure that there was n- no possibility of metal or metal workers in order to have weapons. And so on this particular day of battle, there are only two swords in Israel. Now, that's important to note. We got 600 men under a tree, and now you're starting to understand why. They don't have weapons. Saul's got a weapon, but he hadn't used it in a long time. The other weapon belongs to who? Verse 22. On the day of battle, none of the people of Israel had a sword or spear except for Saul and Jonathan. Jonathan's got a sword, and he ain't afraid to use it, you know. He wants to use it. Now, this is a miracle. Jonathan and his armor bearer, they they kill like 20 guys over a half an acre, hands and feet, and they only got one sword between them. Now, that's a miracle. I love that. I love that story so much. But honestly, what you have to recognize is just the miracle of, of that initiative. The miracle of somebody who says, let's just go. Let's just go. I mean, it's amazing. Let's go across to the outpost of these pagans, Jonathan says, verse 6. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle, whether he has many warriors or only a few. I love that. I love that. But, But that right there, that's something of a miracle in itself. That somebody has the courage, that somebody's just willing to say, let's just go, let's just let's try it. I mean, let's try it. Let's give God something to bless. Let's give God something to use. Let's, let's go where the battle is. Let's just go. God doesn't need an army. He can use a lot or he can use a few. Let's just go. Do you understand the miracle of that? I would say this, having been your pastor for as long as I have, in the church, in this church... All churches, but this church in particular. In the church, the miracle is usually not that we accomplish something, but that we have the courage to start something. Man, that's where the miracle happens right there. It's hard to be Jonathan in a camp of people united in doing nothing. And so to to be the one that has to stand up, to be the one who in some senses seems like a, a, a disunifying figure. I mean you got unity under the tree, and Jonathan and his armor bearer, they step out, and all of a sudden that looks like a, a breach of unity. They look like the ones who've divided, but 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 no, they're the only ones in the entire scene, they're the only ones chasing after the Lord. They're the only ones trying to serve him, they're the only ones trying to do anything. And, and I just want to say, having spent my entire life in churches, and mostly this one. Churches aren't always kind to Jonathan, to the Jonathans, the the ones who just say, let's do something, come on, let's go, you know? When I came to this church to be your pastor in 1996, uh, we were in a a 100-year-old building across the street It's not there anymore. I loved that old building, a lot of you did too. We loved that old building, but you don't unify around a building, especially one that's fallen in around your head. There were a number of people, it was it was in a small group Bible study, they were doing Experiencing God when a small group in this church way back in the 90s said, well, come on, let's go, let's build, let's build, let's don't let this building just fall in, let, let, let's, let's build something. There's a lady named Sarah Sutherland that most of you will never know, but Sarah was an amazing, uh, she was the the midwife for that vision, she carried it. Sarah used to say, I don't want to see one of those signs out in the field somewhere that says future home of Woodburn Baptist Church. I want to see a church built in my lifetime. She's old. That set the clock ticking. But you know, it's it's that Jonathan spirit in Sarah Sullen. You know, let's build, let's go, let's do it. Now I don't want to see a sign that says future home of, let's make it happen now. You know, that's amazing. It's, it's Jonathan's like that, that that the church always sees. In 1999, you know, the church just said, come on, let's go, let's build. Oh, it was like 2007, we said, let's plant churches. Let, let, let's plant churches. Come on, how about 20? Let's, let's plant churches. And it was terrifying. And, 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 and the very day I said, let's build churches, y'all, we, we, I lost a family. They left the church. They left the church like that day because all I said was let's build churches. Because they said I don't want to be any part of a church split. Say anything about splitting the church. I, I, I said, let's, let's play at churches. But wow. A couple of years later, man, you had Ron Duvall and, and Freddie Morris, who just, you know, Franklin. Let's go. Let's do it in Franklin. You know, and just people who just step up and say, let's do it. Man, one day it was a care night. I was just knocking on doors in Woodburn, just knocking on doors. I knocked on the door of the most beautiful yard in Woodburn. It belongs to Willie Ray, y'all. Willie Ray's yard is amazing. But I didn't know Willie Ray. I just thought, oh, it's a yard. I I mean, my yard, I mean, there are crack houses with nicer landscaping than my yard. But Willie Ray, I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. And I knocked on that door. Willie Ray answered the door. I said, listen, I'm Tim Harris, pastor of Woodburn Baptist Church. And, and I met a man that day who said, I want to be a part of a church that's doing something. You know, it's, he's a Jonathan. Willie Ray and Aureen are, are, are Jonathans, you, you know. The church shut down in 2020 for, for COVID, but we couldn't shut Willie Ray and Orene down. Right. Easter Sunday, they got dressed and went out there and knocked on the door just to make sure I wasn't in here. I love that. And that's what Willie Ray said. He said, man, if if your church is, if if that church is doing that sort of thing, I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of a church that's doing something. You know, because there's so many churches that aren't doing anything. And, And it's hard. It's hard to be Jonathan. And our church still has Jonathans, and we're not always kind to Jonathans. You know, the ones who just stand up and say, come on, let's go. You know, right now our deacons are led by Greg Reynolds. Greg Reynolds is a Jonathan. He's saying, Come on, guys, come on, let's go. Let's serve this church. Let's do something. Come on, let's let's go. And when there's a Jonathan like that that stands up, what are you supposed to do? Right now, Warren Weeks, have y'all seen Warren's shirt today? Yes. If Warren, y'all, y- y- I, I- I think you know Warren as well as I do. Y'all know that Warren dresses in a rotation. I'm not making any of this up. Warren's right there. Warren, if I, if, I, if I say something not true about you, you yell. okay? Warren dresses in rotation, correct? Correct. Warren, y'all, I don't have to make stuff up. Real life is just good. It's just good. Warren has shirts in his closet in an order. And he gets up and he wears the shirt for the day. And he's been doing this for years. And he'll do it till Jesus comes. He dresses in a rotation. He, you can't get him a new shirt because it ain't in a rotation. Correct? But Warren today, Warren has on a different shirt. Have y'all seen it? It is not Warren's style. It was not in the rotation. Y'all, Warren's a Jonathan. Warren is trying to tell this church, "Come on, let's go. You know, let's get out there, let's knock on some doors, let's get the gospel in every home." That's what Warren's doing. But, But 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 how do we do Jonathan's? You know, we ignore them, we shut them down, we discourage them. Because I'm telling you, if even one of us gets up and breaks from under this pomegranate tree, that that just sort of blows it for the rest of us. All of a sudden, if somebody's going to go out there and engage the fight, then it sort of makes it obvious that we are sitting here doing nothing. But when a Jonathan stands up, you you need to encourage them. Our church has Jonathans, but again, we're not always kind to Jonathans. I'm not saying we're mean to them. We just have ways. Every church has ways of just staring at them until they sit back down. Or we just tell them, yeah, you know, we tried that before, but it didn't work, and so it won't work now. I mean, you know, Jonathan stands up because it takes some initiative. It takes courage. And this is the actual miracle that anybody ever just has that courage to stand up and and say what God's put on their heart. That's the thing, man, when God calls you to do something daring, when God calls you to step out and go, he'll just never call you loud enough for the whole church to hear. You have to stand up and you have to say, come on, and and then lots of times you're going to walk off by yourself. Jonathan and the armor bearer walk off by themselves. They don't even bother telling the rest of the people because it's not going to do any good. church has Jonathan's, y'all. I think, I think Rod's a Jonathan. Rod Ellis tries all the time. He just keeps trying and trying and trying. And I love a man who just is unstoppable, always wanting us to worship, wanting us to love the Lord. You know, he just tries. I love that. I just love that. Man, some of you in this church have just continued to carry a torch for missions. And, and you're just saying, come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. And this church will let you go. You know, but, but to find somebody who will just say, man, I'm with you. Because this is the amazing part of the story here. It's just this amazing thing. Let's go across, verse 6. Let's go across to the outposts of these pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us. I'm sorry, I think that's so funny. As a pastor, and as a person, I, I really think long and hard about how I can motivate the congregation. You know what I mean? Like, I want to be able to I just beg God, you know, let me have a words that, would, that I could speak that would stir the congregation to love you and serve you. And, and in all of those prayers about, Lord, just give me a word, give me the words. The word he's never, he's never given me the word Perhaps. Perhaps the Lord will help us. Okay, that's just, Jonathan, you need to work on that. I mean, if if you want to get somebody to go with you, perhaps, is that all you got? Perhaps the Lord will help us. Nothing can hinder the Lord. I also remind you, Jonathan's talking to the armor bearer and they only got one sword and Jonathan has an offer to hand that over. He is inviting the armor bearer to come fight with him, but they're only going to have one sword, and Jonathan's going to hold it. And then on top of that, he says, "You know, maybe the Lord will help us." I'm not a great preacher, but I don't get. A, I, I try to have something more than perhaps. But you know what, if, if I mean, God's perhaps, you know, I mean, just to have a perhaps, you know, when it comes to this God of power and, and this God of glory, I mean, even that little perhaps right there, th- th- there's more in that perhaps than in all of the unity underneath that pomegranate tree. Do you understand? I, I would rather go with a man like Jonathan who says, I don't know, you know, may, maybe God, maybe God's in this, but let's just go. You know, I would rather be with him. Honestly, I would, but because understand, the Spirit of God doesn't stay put. He moves, and we got to move with Him. And I'm telling you, all of those guys piled up under that tree, that is not where the Spirit of God is. That's not where the battle is going to be fought. That's not where the victory is going to be won. Nothing's going to happen under that tree. you got to go. The Spirit of God goes, and Jonathan just goes with the Spirit of God, and he don't know necessarily how it's going to turn out. But you'd rather die out there trying to do something from God than to sit under that tree and, and, and just die of boredom. You know, I'd rather die out there giving my life for the Lord than, than up here just in comfort. Are y'all listening to me? Spirit of God's not going to stay put. He moves and, and we, we have to move with him. Perhaps the Lord will help us. Nothing can hinder him. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. And then the armor bearer, man, I love this guy. Do what you think is best, The armor bearer replied. I'm with you completely. Whatever you decide is what New Living Translation says. The Hebrew, what he says is, I am with you according to your heart. I'm with you according to your heart. It's an idea of being joined at the heart. You know, your heart, my heart, we got the same heart. I'm with you according to the heart. I, I love that. According to your heart. I, I love that sense of, you know, God's put this on your heart, and I'm with you. Because that's the thing. It's really hard to stand up and tell the whole church what God's put on your heart. Because you're just terrified that nobody else is going to hear it. Nobody else is going is to have any faith in, in the Lord and not going to have any confidence in you. And It's just amazing when somebody says, yeah, what God's put on your heart, I'm with you. Why can't we do that? Why can't we do that to the Jonathans among us? I mean, the people who stand up and say, come on, let's go. I mean, why can't you say, you know, God's put that in your heart and and I'm with you. Because this is how the revival comes. This is how God begins to move his church. I mean, this is how it all happens. But somebody's got to have the courage to stand up and say what's on their heart. I feel like God is calling me to do this. And then somebody else has to say, you, you know, I, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. We got the same heart. <laughs> so they got this sign, which I think is so funny. Uh, you know, we're we're going to let them see us. Okay, again, it's like, Jonathan, what school of war did you go to? You know, here's the plan. I carry the sword. You come with me. We're going to walk out there and let them see us. Okay, that's dumb. There's an entire army of Philistines. Let's go let them see us. You know, But here's the thing. If they say, stay where you are, we'll kill you, we'll probably stay. But if they say, come on up, we'll go. It, seriously, this is your plan? This is the plan. Philistines saw him coming up. And they said, look, they're coming out of their holes. And they say, come on up. I'll teach you a lesson. And Jonathan said, come on, let's go. That was the sign. So what do they do? They just start climbing up, hands and feet. Jonathan's fighting at the front. The armor bearer's fighting out the back. I don't know what he's doing. It just says hands and feet. I mean, he's just like, you know, just whatever he can do. It's like when I used to fight my sister. My sister Tracy, my sister Tracy is just deadly. Don't mess with her, y'all. Don't mess with her. My sister, like, she'd get me, I'd be chasing her through the house. She'd be screaming, ah, we'd be fighting. And she would go lay on the couch, like, put her back on the couch like a cockroach. And then she'd put her feet in the air and her hands in the air. And she'd just like, bub, 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 you know, like hands and feet flying. And I'm dumb enough to run into that. You know, so I'm like, bub, 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 you know, like, like going into a wood chipper. And this is the armor bearer. Like he's like macho camacho. You know, he is just going at it, you know, with with everything he's got. And it's amazing because the scripture says they killed some 20 men in all and their bodies were scattered over by half an acre. And the whole Philistine army loses their minds. They don't know what's happening. Nobody knows what's happening. And then the scripture says, an earthquake came, finished it off. (laughs) Now there's a part of me on behalf of the armor bearer who didn't have a sword that day, part of me that says, well God, if you had an earthquake up your sleeve the whole time, why didn't you just drop the earthquake, you know, before the armor bearer had to go out there without a sword, you know, and just like, try to kick people to death. I mean, if you had an earthquake the whole time up your sleeve, why in the world did you wait until these guys had to fight for their lives? Well, I don't know the answer to that. I just don't. It, 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 it's, it's, it's the Lord, and I can't explain Him. but I can just say this. I think there's a certain spiritual principle here. First the effort, then the earthquake. First the effort, then the earthquake. I, I don't know why God didn't just send the earthquake, except that if God had just sent an earthquake, the story they'd tell for years and years to come would be, man, y'all remember that earthquake back in 1913? Man, that's some kind of shaking going on, you know, it ended the war. But uh, to be Jonathan in the armor bear and have this story, I mean it starts out terrifying. I mean, it starts out with just perhaps maybe gotta help us. I don't know. I got a sword. What do you got? Okay, come on. You got my back, right? Yeah, here we go. I mean, and at some point in the middle of just you know going at it, they realize this is working. I mean, this is working like we're we're killing people. You know, at some point, that that incredible, daring, you know, c- courageous fight that they begin, at some point. That becomes something else. At some point, this becomes the most amazing day of their lives. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, they got a story here to tell for the rest of their lives, and you better believe I'd. Be, if I were these guys, I'd be telling it. I'd still be telling it. You know. To have that kind of story about how God showed up, how God blessed. We just had one sword. I do not have anything, man. I had his back and we just went into it and he's like a wood shepherd behind me. And and God just did it all. I mean, to have that kind of story. I promise you, all 600 up under the pomegranate tree at the end of this day, they didn't have any story to tell because they never knew what happened. First the effort than the earthquake. So I started out to preach one sermon about Jonathan and his armor bearer, that incredible unity that comes when you share a purpose, when you share a mission, when you're stepping into something impossible, and there's nobody in the world that would go with you except the people who. Believe the Lord like you believe the Lord. You know, there's incredible unity that comes with that. But but there's another kind of unity in this passage. It's it's the majority. It's the 600 people under that tree who are never going to do anything. They're never going to engage the fight. They're never going to leave the shade of that tree. And they're never going to know the victory that comes when you trust the Lord, you follow his spirit, and you step out to where the war is happening. Do you understand how this applies to us? Do you understand what can happen? If you just begin listening to the spirit, and then you'd be willing to stand up and, and, and say to the church, man, this is what God's putting on my heart. So I feel like we need to do. And we just begin to step up and encourage the Jonathans around us. And and we just begin to go. I'm with you, the armor bearer says. According to your heart. man, we're joined at the heart. So I guess this sermon could have been two words long, y'all. Now I tell you. It's the turning point of this story. And so then just steps up and says, Let's go. Come on, let's go. And the armor bearer says, I'm with you. We joined at the heart. That, my brothers and sisters, supernatural unity. Pray with me. God, we love our church, we love our building, we love our Sunday mornings. But Jesus, we know that you didn't die on the cross for this building, for our Sunday mornings. You died to give us an abundant life, and Lord Jesus, I pray that you just let your spirit take over this congregation in such a way where we would trade all of our Sunday mornings for just one daring adventure in actually serving you. God, we would trade all of this idleness and all of this comfort and all of this, Lord, incredible uh, show that we can put on on a Sunday morning, Lord, we would give it all up. If simply you would send us out with with some sort of perhaps and some sort of mission and some sort of divine calling, Lord, which would engage us in, in an adventure, Lord, in the fight of our lives and actually doing your will in the world, Lord God, surely you have Put us here for something more than Sunday mornings. Help us, Lord, to love each other, Lord. Help us to recognize the Jonathans in our midst, Lord. And when they stand up with courage, Lord, help us, Lord. Help us to encourage. Help us, Lord, to get behind them. Help us, Lord, never ever to throw water on the fires that you light within this church family. God, there are people who really want to serve you and people that really want to go and people that really want to make a difference. Lord, I just pray that the Jonathans in this congregation will rise up and the armor bearers will get behind them, Lord God, and you would send us out so that we can really understand what the fight's about and what victory is. Lord, we're never gonna have any of this unless you give it to us. It's not natural. It's not human. It's not even what other churches experience, Lord, but we don't care about other churches. We just wanna be the church that you created us to be. Set this place on fire, Lord Jesus. Set our hearts on fire, Lord, and give us the grace and the courage to go, to go. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would break this incredible spell of idleness, this incredible spell, Lord, of fear, this incredible spell, Lord, that is over this congregation, Lord. Break the spell that we might step out with courage and obedience in supernatural unity. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. amen.